0: B-F-F-T.
1: From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth.
0: Week one is just around the corner. Dan Lanning, University of Oregon football coach, in his second season. I heard, a co- I heard you give an interview, and you said, you know what comes next. That's what's different in year two. What do you mean by that? What comes next?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not necessarily that you read the book before, but it's um, you know year one. There's there's the unexpected that you can't get really prepared for, and it's nothing really that catches you necessarily uh, completely off guard. But when you can anticipate the unexpected, that's uh, I think it makes things go smoother. So uh, obviously, you know, hey, week two's coming up. Week three's coming. Up, like you're prepared for those moments, and you're one. Um, but just being able to anticipate some of those things that you didn't necessarily know was going to be uh, on the docket, I think, is one thing that's that's got me ready for this year.
0: Give me an idea, because I know in the NFL or the NBA that you know there's a group of coaches that are focused on the here and now, and you might have scouts looking into a week ahead, two weeks ahead. How far ahead can you get with other parts of the operation while you simultaneously focus on hey, week one, game one, we got to focus on us.
1: Well, it's kind of exa- exactly what you said. You have some people in the organization that kind of get a jump ahead. We we do a summer scouting report on every single opponent we face each year. So we've actually kind of gone through and did some preliminary work on each team um, before it really comes up. And we kind of go back and, you know, address that, take a look at that, see what we see that um, still carries over and holds true. And then you have a couple coaches that work ahead. But, you know, within each week you really want to focus on the opponent that you're on.
0: I've been looking at billboards differently now, and I, I got to know, like, okay, so I think it's cool, it's great for Bo, gets him some exposure, but I have to think that, that for the program in general, when you get a presence in New York City, a presence in Dallas, Texas, and you get that kind of splash that there are kids around the country that are watching that, and that just helps the brand and the halo effect of the brand in all. Am I reading that right?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think back not that long ago, Kayvon Thibodeau was sitting on ESPN and he's telling people it's not a facade, it's, re- it's the real deal, the connections, uh, the opportunities that you have in Oregon, they're real, and I just think that's a great example um, of when you come here, you're going to get an opportunity to be, you know, recognized, not just at a local level, but at a national level, and, and that's a great example of it.
0: Will Stein and Bo Nix, how's that going?
1: Yeah, really well. You know, I think they work really well together. Obviously, um, both of them have been really good. And uh, now with those guys in a collaborative effort, I think it uh, it's going to be really successful. I'm uh, excited to see what they do.
0: I, I know that, you know, sometimes in week one, you, you don't trot everything out. you got a week two game to think about, too, or, you know, that's looming. But, you know, how much of Will Stein's offense, you know, will we be able to see? Will it look different? than what Kenny Dillingham was doing, or will it just look like, you know, it's a uh, it's a relative of what Kenny was doing? Like, give us an idea.
1: Yeah, ultimately, I was looking for somebody to fit what we do, right? And Will, his vision, what he's uh, done in the past, it really fits really well with what we do. Um, but it has some wrinkles, right? It has a couple things here and there that I think can be really good elements of it. So I think when you watch it, you'll say, okay, that reminds me of, uh, some similarities that you saw last year from Oregon, but every once in a while you might see something to say, okay, I didn't see that before. Uh, and that's, you know, where Will and the rest of the offensive staff's creativity is, has shown up.
0: Your kids, are they ready for school?
1: They're, they are not. They're ready for another summer. I yeah, know. These guys, uh, they're not anxious to get back to school, but uh, I think their mom's ready for them to get back <laughs> to school.
0: I relate to that. I know that. That's going on over here. But I have one kid, one of the daughters, Probably not different than your group. One of them, you know, she's more she's more studious. She's, you know, she's eager to get back to the classroom, and the other one's, like, sleeping in going, nope, not going to happen. <laughs> you know, you know how that goes.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: What were you like as a kid? Did you want to get back, or did you enjoy the summer too much? Uh, I... I think
1: I kind of liked school. I think I was kind of a weird guy when it came to that. I don't know. Probably when I got into high school, I wasn't. I was excited, but the thing about school is, I mean, sports are coming along. That's what I enjoyed, right? So, like, you want to play football, you want to play basketball. That's the part I enjoyed. Um, I wouldn't say I enjoyed, you know, the student aspect as much. But, yeah, I probably enjoyed, you know, getting back to action.
0: Were you surprised when, you know, you got asked some questions after the scrimmage, and I thought, you know, I didn't think they were great questions, but everyone said, "Oh, he's so testy." I had people in a like Utah media saying, "Is Dan Lanning feeling the pressure?" And I was like, "It wasn't that bad." I went back and listened to it, and I just thought you were just basically wanting to say that the defense was better and let's move on and talk about something else.
1: <laughs> I I uh I guess I really didn't realize it was such a big deal, but yeah, that was yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't realize that was. It's it's a great example of everybody's ready for football season. Yes. I can't find
0: anything to write about. I guess right. I, I think so. Um, yeah. And and it's yeah. the same damn questions we talked on media day like all day long. You get asked about the defense. Will the defense have an identity? How do you take a defensive step forward? And you get the same question over and over. At some point, you you know you just want to see your team, uh, you know, line up and, uh, and play a game against somebody.
1: Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, they're doing their job. No, no uh, hard feelings. I certainly wasn't testy. I just didn't know what uh, else to really hop into beyond they played better. And I'm, I'm, I'm not one for revealing great details about what we got going on in our organization if I don't think it's a benefit to the program. So sometimes that's probably going to rub people the wrong way, but yeah. the thing that I always have to decide is what's going to make Oregon better and if does it help Oregon win games, and if it doesn't, but um, I'm probably not going to share it. And uh, hopefully, at the end of the day, people understand. That. What's
0: your first play against Portland State? <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding.
1: <laughs> no, yeah,
0: <I'm>... flea flicker <laughs> double reverse. That's what we're coming out with. Why not? Yeah. All right, I got a football question for you though. Uh, Popo Amavoy. Um, yeah. He comes back, and I'm curious if his return does he does he help the younger guys because they get to see a guy who's kind of been through it in his position. Like, is there some osmosis going on?
1: I think the biggest thing that, that uh, where Popo can make a huge impact with our young guys and where he has already is when they can see him do it, right? Because sometimes you're trying to describe something to a player and, um, you know, some of our coaches, we can't maybe display it as well as the actual player can, right? But is one of those guys that can go out there and execute at a high level. So when you have a guy like that that can really show by example, lead by example, that speaks volumes. And uh, he certainly earned – uh, the respect of a lot of guys in our program. You know, we, we all hope that he's able to stay healthy because I think if he is, he's got a chance to be a big impact player for our team.
0: Casey Rogers, does he get does he get in better positions because Popo's there? Does he get in like in a three tech and get a get a better pass rush because he's got that guy beside him?
1: I think everybody. You know, when, when you have um, a defensive lineman that can you know be a game changer inside, you know, I think that creates one on ones outside. That creates. Uh, blitter, uh, better blitz angles for your backers. I, mean, I just think, across the board, it's going to make you cover better in the back end when you have somebody that can win up front. And um, yeah, having great D line play is going to make everybody around uh, those those players better.
0: Best Godfather movie. Two. Why? Uh, storyline.
1: I mean, I, and then I think that's where you really get to see, um. My man Pacino, like, come full circle, right? Like, that's where you see. I don't know. It seems like he's all in at that point, right? Like, he's made the complete transition, right?
0: And I, and I, I remember Marlon Brando's not into, is he? Like, he doesn't he doesn't appear in that one.
1: Well, you're now you're gonna make me have to like go back no. and watch him close. Yeah, you know. Um, but,
0: but you know, yeah, you, I don't do, you think know so. do you know how much Pacino made for Godfather Two? I looked it up the other day because I, I was curious, no. like, just to see. Okay, so in Godfather One, he made thirty five thousand. In Godfather Two, he made five hundred thousand, you know, and really? and he got ten percent of the film's profits in perpetuity. So he's still getting paid. So Pacino got wow. a, he got a huge cut. He, credit to his agent.
1: Yeah, that's impressive. Well done
0: like that probably had jimmy sexton as his agent who knows uh we're, talk- we're talking to dan i'm sure it worked out for him we're talking to dan lanning university of oregon football coach i won't keep you long um all right give us an idea um you know you've scrimmaged you've obviously seen stuff you don't want to share with the public but give me an idea of what you're looking for in game one week one just from a fundamental level so fans who are watching the game can kind of go hey uh i'm seeing what dan lanning was talking about
1: yeah i You know, what I hope is all the things in between snaps, right, is really, really smooth, right? Smooth communication. We're able to line up, uh, get in and out of formations, get the plays in quickly, operationally, you know, operate at a really high level, not have any of those miscues. You know, one thing you always look for, like, pre-snap and post-snap penalties. Like, there's going to be some aggressive penalties that happen within the whistles. Right, um, a guy going to make a play on the ball, and it's a pass interference, or uh, a lineman driving his feet, and it turns into a holding. That's going to happen from time to time. But what we don't want to have is, you know, the ducks beating the ducks with, with us doing things that have nothing to do with in between the whistles and in between the play.
0: Last year, you got Georgia in that opener, and it was it was rough, and it was probably not ideal for a first time, first year coach, and to open in that environment and the and basically a road game against Georgia. How different or is this feel and then did, did you learn something in that game or that you can carry with you or do you learn something every game i guess
1: yeah you certainly learn something every game but yeah i, I, I certainly learned some stuff uh in that game that i will probably forever carry with me um you know ultimately there's nothing like the first time right and getting an opportunity to go out there but i think our team responded really well you know for me i told our staff today like when we do our pregame routine like i want it to be sharper and better than we ever did it before right it needs to be sharper and better than we did the very first time and uh, i can go back to that pregame routine against georgia and some things that didn't go right uh in that moment that we learned from and we're not going to make that same mistake again and it might seem simple to you know some people are like not you know kind of trivial to be worried about the pregame routine but that part you know matters to me so there's a lot of notes we took from game one um that I think that we've learned from and will carry over in the future.
0: Was that, like, just procedurally things weren't moving and it became a distraction? Or when you say things didn't go right, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, like, the band's trying to take the field and we're still warming up. Like, we weren't <laughs> timed right. Like, there's a lot of pieces. Like, that's a great a great example of game one. Like, okay, wait, I'm going to remember this forever. Like, we're, we're not even off the field on time, yeah. right? So. Um, but you got to figure that out. And, uh, we figured some stuff out. Um, and luckily last year, we were able to figure it out pretty quick and, uh, responded and had a, uh, a good season. But we, you know, if you're not learning, you're, you say, I think Jalen Hurts said it after, uh, last season, you're either winning or you're learning, right? Mm-hmm. So we always want to be learning from, you know, moments and, and, uh. Our our games, and I think that's a great opportunity.
0: I love that the band's there, and you're like, hey, the, re- the whole reason the band's there is the football game, don't they know that? Like, you, you need to wait, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, you I think right.
0: I'm always uh, like when they do the halftime show and it's extended like that. I'm always going, hey, we do, do they remember there's a football game? That's the whole reason everybody's here. But I guess you know everybody's on a on a time as well. Okay, Dan Lanning with us. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you loose here, but uh, give me like you know. In your weekend before your first game, how much of it is football? How much do you get a chance to exhale? Because it will come at you like a blur. Week one, week two. I mean, there's just a schedule you get on until you get to bye week. But will you exhale it all before this before the season? Are you jumping right into this now?
1: Yeah, we're all in. I mean, we've been we've been all in really since we've gotten back for uh, camp. But you find the moments within each day to hit the reset button, right? Take the deep breath. Um, you know. Take some time to meditate, think back to what, you know, what do you want the day to look like, right? And kind of hit the reset button throughout the day. So uh, that's something I feel like I've gotten better at, of figuring out when those moments are. Not necessarily to check out, but to refocus and recenter. And uh, that's certainly what I'll be doing going into that. If I'm able to catch a a game or two uh, later that night, I'll, I'll have the TV on and be able to catch that. If we're still in prep mode, then I'll still be prepping.
0: If you're watching a game on TV, do you turn the sound off? So you just watch the football or do you listen?
1: No, I normally have a sound on. I don't know how close I listen, but I normally have a sound on. All
0: right, and and I'm terrible with the meditation thing. Are you literally, like, turning the lights down and going quiet and putting on some music? No, it's
1: just a mindfulness. It's just a a level of focus. Now, like, I'll put on, like, a certain type of uh, music or uh, sound and uh, just try to, you know, be where I'm at. Take a deep breath, not be in the future, not be in the past, but be present and uh, conscientious about your breath. You know, really just try to get in the flow state. I love that. It's starting to sound like Buddha or something yeah. right here, right? No, I mean, I'm good. speaking a
0: different language. Get yeah, in but the no, flow I think that's, state. I'm going to do that. to get in the flow state. All right, yeah. that's my goal for the weekend. All right, Dan Lanning, thank you. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you, man, and I will see you next week.
1: Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one.
0: Okay, there he goes, Dan Lanning, University of Oregon second year head coach. I remember the questions last year as they were approaching that Georgia game. And um you know I did have some questions about the coaching staff and whether or not they would in year one be able to hit the ground running and I do think that some of those questions held up last season in that there was some strategy um, there were some strategy decisions that on one hand, I didn't mind like I don't mind going for it, a coach going for it on fourth down. I don't mind a coach telling his, players that i believe in you um and i have faith in you especially in a season like last season let's face it when they lose that georgia game in the opener i think it was really difficult for the rest of the country to ignore and to forget what happened in the opening game that it was such a knockout it was like seeing 13 seconds into a heavyweight championship bout somebody just get their get, just get clobbered and knocked out, and it's hard to unsee that, and I think that held up for the majority of the year. I remember having Reese Davis, the ESPN uh, host, on the show, and he was saying that he couldn't he couldn't get that image of Georgia boat racing Oregon in the opener out of his mind, and I think it was a hard thing for the rest of the country to kind of ignore and get past, and I think for that reason, in a weird way, maybe it took some of the pressure off the Oregon coaching staff as they were making decisions on fourth down from their own 29-yard line against Washington or fourth down against Oregon State and going for it in situations where they might not go for it if there was truly a college football playoff berth that was on the line in those situations. So on that hand, I don't mind a coach being aggressive, and I particularly don't mind a coach being aggressive when you've got a player like Bo Nix on your side. That said, it's kind of hard to ignore the idea that fourth down and whatever from your own 29 when you don't get it, um, it's a bad look. And so I kind of am wondering what Oregon, you know, and how this coaching staff will look and feel different in season number two. And maybe it is just as easy as Dan Lanning and some others noting that, you know, they've been in this situation. They kind of know the flow of things. His thing where he was pointing out the procedural, uh, the you know, the, the mess of, here you are in game 1. You're trying to finish your warm up and here comes the band. They're trying to get on the field and you've got literally a distraction of a marching band that is saying, "Hey, it's our turn to be on the field. Why are you still on the field?" I mean, it's just stuff like that that you look back at and you go, "Okay, yeah, that was his first time. First game, first time head coach and, you know, 45 to 3 or whatever Georgia does to Oregon in that situation." doesn't uh you know leaves it leaves that taste in your mouth they won't have that this season this year with portland state as that opener at odson stadium of course um you know everybody is kind of looking at that and saying okay that's going to be a w for oregon i'll just be curious to see what bruce barnum the portland state coach does because he does do some squirrely things in games like that what what barnum tries to do to to uh give oregon something to think about and and uh, in particular, I am interested to see a little bit of Will Stein. But I, I don't. I'm with people who think we're not going to see a whole bunch of what Oregon's offense is going to be until week two when they go to Texas Tech. They'll be in Lubbock. I'll be in Lubbock with them. I'll be covering it for JohnConsalvo.com, and uh, I will be there on the scene at Texas Tech in week two. Next week, this show is going on the road. It's going to Salt Lake City in the middle of the week for the Thursday night game at Rice Eccles Stadium where Florida. In Utah will be meeting. And who in the heck is going to play quarterback for Utah? Well, we'll find out like 10 minutes before kickoff probably. And then I'll be on to the Bay Area where Oregon State will open their season with DJ Uyunglele, who we heard from earlier in the show. Uh, he will be uh, at center, under under center, or at the quarterback position, however you want to say it, for Oregon State. And it'll be a lot of fun, I think, to see. Oregon State opened their season and finally get to talk about playing some football. Good stuff from Dan Lanning. Great interviews on today's show. Nick Carlin, Voigt, University of Portland uh, men's soccer coach, was fantastic, and DJ Uyangalele, the quarterback at Oregon State, fantastic, and Eric Reveno, the assistant basketball coach at Oregon State, just fantastic perspective talking about you know the landscape of college athletics and the roles of the presidents in what we have seen play out in the last uh, couple of few weeks. Really interesting. All right, we got a couple segments still left in the show. I've got so much more to talk about, including we have some college football games that are going to be taking place here in Week 0. We'll talk about those, plus the Week 1 matchups. Again, my top three Pac-12 Week 1 matchups that I'm looking forward to. I know it's a week early, but I'll talk about them coming up. I want you to leave it here. you got the bald Face truth statewide on the BFT radio network. Appreciate that you're here.